Hello, this is Steve Bailey. Happy to welcome you to episode 49 of Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts, a Laurel and Hardy podcast. All right, today I thought I would discuss their 1930 early talkie, Below Zero. Now, I want to pay special attention to this one because it's a, kind of a strange movie. It's not that it's a bad movie, but it's so unrelievably, unrelentingly grim that it's kind of an anomaly. Uh, I covered Your Darn Tootin', their silent short, in episode 41. Randy Scredvet, the wonderful Laurel and Hardy biographer to whom I often refer, said that he felt that that movie was a perfect statement of Stan and Ollie's friendship, that when everything else is stripped away, Stan and Ollie still have and only have each other. Well, that's sort of the comedy version of that. This is uh, Below Zero, I would say, is a tragic comedy vers version of that. And I'll tell you why. It's, uh, it's funny because in Your Darn Tootin', they do have a few small moments of triumph, and a lot of the pain that they inflict is with each other. In other words, you know, Stan and Ollie versus Ollie's, Ollie versus Stan, that kind of thing. In Below Zero, it's almost as though the fates are just completely dumping on them. I mean, very little of it is having to do with their byplay. It's just like they're two innocents trying to get by in the world, and it just keeps dumping on them no matter what. So it's an unusual movie of theirs, I would say. Let me go into detail about it, if I may. It starts out with the title that reads, The freezing winter of 29 will long be remembered. Mr. Hardy's nose was so blue, Mr. Laurel shot it for a jaybird. And we fade in on Stan and Ollie in the middle of a nasty snowstorm, standing in front of a building, trying to uh, play, money, play music for money. Stan has a little fold-up tinly organ, and uh, Ollie plays a bass that is very badly tuned, so badly it sounds as though he's beating on a table. And they are in front of a building, uh, hawking their wares, trying to play music. And part of the problem is that they, uh, pr their choice of music, they're playing in the good old summertime, in the middle of the snowstorm. Every so often, Ollie extends his hat to a passerby who completely ignores him and leaves him no money. And so this goes on for a while. Finally, they finish playing, and Ollie says, We've been here for two hours, and we haven't made a dime. I think we better find another spot to play. So Stan folds up his organ and walks off, and Ollie sees that Stan has been sitting in front of a sign which indicates what the building is. And the building is a deaf and dumb institute, which explains why they haven't made any money. And so uh, Stan whistles for Ollie, and they meet, meet up again down the street. They start to play. And then on the second floor of the building where they are playing, a window opens up and a woman yells out, Oh, Mr. Whiteman, which you may or may not know is a reference to Paul Whiteman, a very famous jazz musician of that time. So it's almost a compliment that she's calling Ollie this. But anyway, Ollie says, yes, ma'am. And the woman says, um, about how much do you boys average a street, meaning how much money? And so Ollie briefly consults with Stan and he says, oh, I'd say about 50 cents a street. And the woman throws down a silver dollar and says, there's a dollar. Move down a couple of streets. 
So they did at least make a dollar out of it. So sure enough, they moved down the street. They start to play in the good old summertime again. And then uh, caddy corner from them down the street is Charlie Hall. And all Laurel and Hardy aficionados know that when you see Charlie Hall on the <clears throat> in the movie, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. So Ollie finishes up his course of in the good old summertime just in time to get smashed in the face by a snowball from Charlie. And so Ollie is about to retaliate and stand uh taps him and says, just ignore him. One of the lower elements. So they continue playing and Charlie realizes they're not going to be intimidated by him, so he walks away. Ollie thinks he's done with him and he laughs derisively and uh, laughing at Stan like, ha, I guess we showed him. And next thing you know, a second snowball hits Ollie in the face. So anyway, they're playing and uh, I'm Another person walks past, and the tin cup that Ollie has been holding it's for money, it's now sitting on Stan's organ, and it, the cup starts to rattle. And Ollie thinks that uh, some the passerby has put some money in there. Well, he checks the cup, and then uh, gives the camera a dirty look, and looks upward, and we cut to a bird who is on the ledge above Ollie, and the implication is that the bird decided to drop a little present into the cup. So Stan looks in the cup, and sure enough, there is a present, but it's more benign than we think it is. It's an egg that the bird laid. So Stan is annoyed that the bird tricked them like that. He picks up a snowball and tries to hit the bird with it. Well, the bird flies off, but then the man behind the window of the window ledge opens the window and gets the snowball smacked in the face. So the man re tries to retaliate. He thinks he's going, he, he aims at Stan, tries to hit him. Instead, the snowball goes into the bucket of a woman who is uh, down the way heading for her home. And the woman happens to be Blanche Payson. And like Charlie Hall, if you know anything about Blanche Payson, you know it's not going to be a good confrontation. So the man at the window quickly uh, realizes what's up and closes the window. Meanwhile, this woman got a nasty snowball in the, in the middle of her bucket of clear water, and she's not happy about it. She sees Stan and Ollie and immediately jumps to the wrong conclusion. So she marches up to Ollie, grabs a snowball, and doesn't toss it. She mushes it into his face until he's practically eating the thing. Stan sees this and wants to do a tit-for-tat routine. He takes the woman's bucket, which is now she is now placed on Stan's organ, and throws it out in the street. And Ollie laughs derisively at that, which we all know he shouldn't be doing. He should know better. And while he's busy laughing, she grabs the woman. She grabs Ollie's bass and smacks him on the head with it, smashing the base to pieces. Then she glares at Stan, and Stan starts to grimace because he knows what's coming. He tries to grab the organ and fold it up, but she will have none of it. She grabs the organ, throws it out in the street where it is run over by a passing car. Now that she's established her revenge, Blank pace and marches, marches off. So here are Stan and Ollie left with not even their meager means of subsistence, trying to figure out what to do. Stan happens to look down the street, and he sees that somebody has dropped a wallet in the street. He uh, quietly points this out to Ollie, and they uh, sidle up to it, check out the wallet, see there's a lot of money in it, and think they've got it good. Until they look behind them, and they see a vagrant who also has noticed the wallet. And the vagrant looks like he's ready to do, do them some justice. So the boys quietly walk away, trying to be nonchalant about it. 
but the pace gets faster with both the Vagrant and with Stan and Ollie. They run behind a, a corner, and next thing you know, you hear glass smashing. It turns out that Stan and Ollie have run into a, a business window, as well as running into a cop who was standing by the window. Everybody uh, picks themselves up. The cop says, what's the big idea? And Stan points to the Vagrant, saying, he was trying to rob us. So the cop starts to give chase to the Vagrant and runs off quickly. And uh, the cop says, you've got to be careful in this neighborhood. These people will cut your throat for a dime. And so Ali uh, gratefully thanks the cop for having helped them. And he, he says, I only wish there was something we could do to repay you. And uh, Stan says, you know, I'm hungry. Why don't we get something to eat before we get our throats cut? And Ali says, a splendid idea. Perhaps the uh, Mr. Policeman would like to join us. And the cop says, oh, don't mind if I do. Because apparently he saved these two lives and now his uh, stint for the day is up and he can do whatever he wants. So he says, I know a nice little place. And the, he leads the way and they go off to the restaurant. Next, we see the cops, Stan and Ollie, seated at the in the restaurant, getting ready to place their order. And a big burly waiter named Pete, who is played by Tiny Sanford, uh, comes up to them. And uh, dare I say it again, if you know anything about Tiny Sanford, you know that something is coming. At first, Pete is very benign. He takes their order, and Ollie finishes his order by saying, I'd like to have a demitas." And the, Pete walks away, and he says, uh, Ollie has been going, calling him Garçon, a formality that is probably lost on Mr. Pete. But anyway, Pete goes away after Ollie orders his demitas, and then Stan says, Oh, Garçon! Pete says, Yes, sir. And Stan says, I'd like a demitas too, but I'd like it in a big cup. And Ollie does his usual routine. He says, a big cup. Where were you brung up? So we fade out, fade in uh, on three plates, each one filled with a big juicy steak. And then it fades out again, and we see the plates completely empty with nothing but T-bones left. The boys have obviously enjoyed their dinner, as has the cop. So they talk about what a great dinner they had. And while they're discussing the dinner... Pete and four of his fellow waiters are dragging a man out to the street where they throw him out violently. The waiters come back in, and Ollie says to Pete, Well, what's the matter, sir? He says, Oh, just some bozo who couldn't pay his check. And uh, Ollie motions to Stan and quietly whispers to him, and you can tell he's saying, Are you sure you still have that wallet? And Stan checks, and the wallet is still there. So Ollie laughs and says to the cop, Boy, what an embarrassing situation that must be. I, I'd hate to be in a spot like that. So at that point, the cop declares that he will pay for the dinner, and Ollie insists, no, 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 you're our honored guest. We will pay the entire thing. The cop keeps trying to insist, but the, Ollie won't have it. So finally, the cop shrugs his shoulders and says, okay. So Stan pulls out the wallet, inspects it again. Not only does it have a lot of the wallet have a lot of money, it also has a picture of the cop. And he... Uh, he gets a, almost. He gets about thirty seconds out of great reactions of this. Uh, looks at the pictures like, "Where have I seen that man before?" And then he realizes who it is. Shows it to Ollie, and then the cop is putting his coat on, getting ready to go out. He sees the wallet and realizes that it's his, and immediately jumps to the wrong conclusion, and calls Stan and Ollie a couple of cheap pickpockets, and he tells them, "I'm going to give you get you ten years in the big house for this." And then Pete sidles by. The cop says, no, I've got a better idea. He calls Pete over and he says, I'll pay for my part of the dinner, and these two gentlemen will pay for their part. 
and then the cop whispers to Pete, and we get the idea that the cop is telling him the whole story. And uh, Ollie and Stan go into panic mode, and Ollie says to Stan, don't you have any m- m- money? Stan pulls out his wallet and unfolds it and unfolds it until it's finally hanging down on the ground, but no money in it. So Stan throws up the wallet and like, I guess we've had it now. And so Pete yells out, two for the morgue. And and all the lights go out and the customers go crazy. And you're thinking, why didn't they make this much of a fuss about the one guy they just threw out? The lights didn't have to go out before. But in any case, the waiters drag an unconscious Stan and Ollie out to the street. They throw Ollie out in the street. And Pete has Stan over his shoulder. Uh, he sees a barrel by the exit that they just came out of, uh, opens up the barrel. It's frozen over with ice. He knocks knocks holes into the ice and then throws Stan into the fr- freezing water and goes back into the restaurant. Ollie comes to, barely avoids getting hit by a car, and then yells out for Stan, first very quietly and then very loudly. He calls for Stan a total of five times and comes to realize that he can't. he doesn't see Stan anywhere and he fears the worst for him. And it's a quiet and short moment, but it's a tribute to Oliver Hardy's acting that he actually plays it very straight. It's obvious he's very concerned about Stan. And he jumps to his own conclusion. He thinks Stan is still in the restaurant getting beaten up. So he grabs a nearby brick, runs to the exit that has been locked up, and starts pounding on the door. Then he hears some sloshing inside the bucket nearby, opens up the lid, and sees Stan. And he says, what happened? Stan says, they threw me into this bucket of water. He says, he looks at it and he says, bucket of water. Where's the water? And Stan says, I drank it. And so there we are treated to one of Stan Laurel's patented freak endings. Uh, Ollie tips the bucket over and pulls Stan out. And thanks to a not very convincing balloon on uh, under Stan's shirt, we are given the impression that uh, Stan really did drink all the water. Uh, the best gag out of that is that Stan starts to hop around, and then he whispers to Ollie uh, quietly, and they both go into panic mode, indicating that Stan has probably told him that he needs a place to pee, and he needs it fast. And with that, the movie fades out. Now, I am normally not a fan of Stan Laurel's freak endings, because they kind of throw you out of the movie. Here you get involved with these two guys who seem very lifelike, and then some crazy physical thing that could never happen happens, and we're supposed to laugh. But uh, in this case, the freak ending is almost a relief after the unrelenting grimness that uh, preceded it. So I recommend this movie with reservations. As I say, it's not at all a bad movie. Very well thought out. Very funny in spots. It's just that if you're expecting an out-and-out comedy, uh, be prepared for a little more gravitas than is usual in the Laurel and Artie comedy. So that's all I have to say about that. Let me finish up with my usual blatant plugs. For the last 18 years, I have run a Laurel and Hardy website, complete with uh, reviews of their movies, uh, reviews of some of their biographies, interviews with some of their biographers, and tons of Laurel and Hardy-related stuff that I've accumulated over the years. Uh, You can look for the website at the URL leaveemlaughing.moviefever.com. That's leaveemlaughing.moviefever.com. Also, I have a Facebook page that corresponds to the... uh, podcast. If you'd like to look for it, look under uh, look in Facebook under the same name, Hard Boiled Eggs and Nuts dash a Laurel and Hardy podcast. On the cover photo of this Facebook page, you can find the URL for the podcast website. 
as well as URLs for the many venues where you can find this podcast to listen to it, including uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, and uh, most of all, Anchor, the parent website that sponsors this podcast. Finally, I have an email address because I love feedback. I love to know that somebody is listening to my creaky voice. So if you have anything to say about this podcast, be it negative or positive, please feel free to email me at hardboiledeggsandnuts at outlook.com. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. I invite you to hit the subscribe button and also to listen to the previous 48 episodes that I have recorded. And if you are listening through this uh, through iTunes, uh, please leave a written review and or a star rating. It really helps. In any case, I'm glad you could come aboard for this episode. I hope we can continue to uh, have touch with each other. And until next time, this is Steve Bailey saying goodbye.